Eugene Peterson, anyone heard of Eugene Peterson? He, he uh, is kind of famous for writing a, a really contemporary uh, version of the Bible. He's retired now. He lives in Flathead, Montana. He's 85 years old. He's wise, and he's kind of unwittingly hip because uh, Bono from, from U2 is a big fan of Eugene Peterson's, and, and they unwittingly have become friends, Bono and, and Eugene. And, and uh, I love reading his books, uh, Eugene's books. Let me read, read you a passage from one of his books as he recalls a Christmas memory from his childhood. He says, once a year on Christmas, my uncle Ernie came to church with us. The rest of the year, he was a noisy unbeliever, argumentative and protesting. G.K. Chesterton once remarked that Aldous Huxley was always talking about the God he did not believe in. That fits Uncle Ernie. So from an early age, I knew he was not with us, but I liked him all, all the same. Of my six uncles, he was easily my favorite, full of jokes and fun. One Christmas when I was five or six years old, I was sitting beside him in church. The offering plates were passed, and I put in my nickel. He leaned over and whispered, how much did you get? <laughs> At the same time, he showed me half hidden in his hand a $20 bill. <laughs> he ruined my Christmas. Not only did my, God, my uncle not believe in God, he stole from the God he did not believe in. <laughs> I kept hearing his words. How much did you get? It was years before I realized it was a joke. And now that years have passed, it doesn't seem so much a joke as a parable. How much did you get? It's a most pregnant Christmas question. How much did you get? It's the, it's the kind of question that, that you might hear one child ask another child on Christmas morning. And, and I'd say it's a totally appropriate Christmas question, which actually has nothing to do with, with the gifts that we find under the tree. Th this evening, folks, we're in the presence of what is given. We, we gather tonight not just to sing carols and, and to, to light candles, but we gather to recognize how much has been given and is yet to be given by God for us. The Apostle John put it this way so memorably in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Isaiah, 700 years before John, put it this way, he says, for unto us a son is born, unto us a, a child is born, unto us a son is given. Well, Christmas is a little bit about getting, we find in Scripture. And I, I, I want to reflect on this, what this gift means to, means to us. And so I want to read a passage from Isaiah 9 again, and also John 1. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And then in John 1, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, both of those passages remind us that God's way of revealing himself to us and giving himself to us is Jesus. I mean, God didn't come down as, as uh, lightning and thunder, as, as storms and earthquakes. God didn't come down to us as some mighty heavenly warrior. 
He didn't come as some wise sage that only a few could understand. He, he comes as a child, for unto us a child is born. And so a child, what, what good is a child? What can a child do? Well, well, Isaiah goes on to fill in the details for us. Turns out there's, there's more than meets the eye when it comes to this child. He says, Isaiah says, the government will be upon his shoulder of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. If the, way, if the way that God reveals himself to us is to come down to us, the way he completes his work in us is to raise us up to where he is. The government is on his shoulders. And this is good news for us because it means he takes responsibility for us. He, he bears the burden of us and his rule for us is never imposed upon us. It's, it's entirely about supporting and, and assisting and, and freeing us. C.S. Lewis, uh, the great writer, uh, he, he elaborates on this. He says, in the Christian story, God descends to reascend down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world with him. Isaiah uh, goes on to give us four names that describe what God the child becomes for us. The first, wonderful counselor. I mean, what does that tell us? It tells us that God in Jesus is not a dictator, but a counselor. I, I wonder uh, how many of you have ever been to a counselor, gone to a counselor, visited. Uh, I, I've had the habit in recent years of spending about an hour a month with a spiritual director, which is a kind of counselor. Uh, and what's remarkable with that hour is I do all the talking. It's like blah, blah, blah. I kind of pour out my life, the whole kit and caboodle to, to my dear friend. And at, at some moment, without a lot of fanfare or, or drama, my wise friend usually has something really profound to say. He makes an observation or he asks a question that often leaves me in an aha moment. It, it sheds some kind of light on, on my life or journey. And, and it's funny, I, I leave that hour feeling a little less burdened about life and a little more free. And God and Jesus, we're told, is not just any, any counselor, he's a wonderful counselor, which means, like any good counselor does, he listens to us. And, and, he's, and he understands us. He understands our, our needs, and he helps us to, to actually meet those needs. And, and simply, he pays attention to us. You know, when, when we're in his presence, we know that, that we are significant, we're important, we're unique. And the result is, as we respond to the, the counsel of Jesus, we begin to learn how to really live, discovering increasingly how it means to, to live carefree. For some of you this Christmas, the best thing you could do for yourself is to book some time with Jesus, the wonderful counselor. And here's the thing, he's never booked up. He's available to all. At a moment's notice, anyone who seeks him can, can meet with Jesus, the, the wonderful counselor. Second name is Mighty God. It's a, it's a more intimidating title, but I'd suggest it's just as necessary. Now, I wonder tonight um, how many of you would admit to, to watching the modern classic film, Talladega Nights. Anybody? Ricky Bobby, played by Will Ferrell, a NASCAR race driver. Um, at, at one point in the film, Ricky Bobby, uh, he 
prays a prayer. What's interesting, it's actually a prayer in, in Jesus' name. But what makes it kind of weird is he prays to the little baby Jesus, tiny baby Jesus. <laughs> it's kind of a goofy prayer. He prays, dear tiny baby Jesus, in your tiny baby crib, with your tiny little hands and feet, use your tiny little superpowers to keep me winning on the racetrack. Amen. <laughs> Something like that. Now, his, uh, his wife, who is a little bit more with it than, than Ricky Bobby, she says to him, she says, I don't think you're supposed to pray to little baby Jesus because he grew up and became a man. I think you're supposed to pray to grown-up Jesus. And Ricky Bobby says, I don't want to pray to that Jesus. I like praying to the little baby Jesus because it makes me feel good just to think about him being little, a tiny infant, so when you're praying, you can pray to the grown-up Jesus or the teenage Jesus or the, or the bearded Jesus or whoever you want to, but I like the Christmas Jesus. I like the cuddly little baby Jesus. I'm going to pray to him. And I'm thinking, I'm just going to speak like this for the rest of the night. <laughs> I thought that scene was, was actually pretty funny. I also thought it was kind of profound because you know, one of the, the barriers to actually knowing God is that, that we tend to replace the real Jesus with whatever Jesus we want. We might want to replace him with the, the little baby Jesus because it makes us feel good at Christmas time, uh, you know, thinking of him as a, a little infant in a manger. We don't think of that infant as placing any demands on, on people or, or, or confronting them. He's just kind of a sweet little thing. But let me say this. There is the Jesus that we want, and there's the Jesus that we need. And might I say that I, I believe all of us, we need the God-sized Jesus. Jesus, the mighty God, means Jesus is able to do what he came to do. And what he came to do is to conquer sin and brokenness and death, to defeat the evil that that would maim and cripple all of our aspirations to goodness. Jesus is not merely an infant in a manger. Jesus, in Jesus, God began an aggressive assault on all that is wrong in the world, which will eventually result in a new heaven and a new earth. And, and, and for some of us tonight who, who feel kind of stuck, um, maybe kind of locked into some, some ways of living or lock into some, some habits that you know aren't healthy or, or just feel frustrated with your capacity to actually do the good that you want to do. We need this, this gift of Jesus who is mighty enough to actually change us, mighty enough to actually transform us from the inside out. The third name is, is Everlasting Father. I think it's kind of a an odd title, I've never been drawn to the everlasting part of that. But I think it's meant to remind us of this quality of God that is both intimate and certain. Speaking of fathers, there's this, uh, this great biography uh, of Walt Disney. Uh, you, you know who Walt Disney is, right? He, he came up with Mickey Mouse and he's the guy who invented Disneyland. How great a guy is he? Well, it's kind of funny, but when Disney's daughter was a little girl, she didn't know there was anything special about her dad. To, to her, she was, he was just daddy. <laughs> Everybody had daddies, and this was just her daddy. And then when she was like six or seven years old, she was at school, and, and one of her friends told her who her dad was. 
And, and she came home and, and she looked at her dad long and said, just with a shocked look in her face, you're Walt Disney. <laughs> she, was, she was crazed by this. She found out that this man that she knew and loved wasn't just any man. He was Walt Disney. And I kind of imagine she rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Just a thought. There's something just as shocking about God being revealed, God in Jesus being revealed as, as our everlasting Father. Frankly, mighty God is easier to get. God is supposed to be powerful, right? But a Father. A Father is meant to be personal, intimate. It's a family. It's a member of a family. It's, it's close. God, God as our everlasting Father, it's, a, it's an invitation to us into an intimate relationship Surprisingly, with the God of the universe. <laughs> Disney's daughter likely thought that uh, that day when she found out that, that her dad was Walt Disney, she probably thought she, she won the lottery. And, and I'm saying as we've come to understand who our God is, just the uh, abundance of love that is available for him, that just his fondness for us, his children, his longings for us as a father. I, 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 I have a little bit of a father's heart. I got two boys, 18 and 20. And I, I want nothing but the best for my boys. And, and, and God as our everlasting father means that he, he wants nothing but the best for us. And as we, I, I would suggest this Christmas that for some of you, the best news for you, the best thought for you to think and, and meditate on is that this, this gift of, of knowing God as your everlasting father. Everlasting, by the way, is, just means you can count on him. He'll never, ever, ever let you down. It's a, it's a fact. The fourth name is Prince of Peace. Peace is a great Christmas word, isn't it? Do you know, uh, you know what the angels, the first angels uh, who brought the announcement to the shepherds in the field that first Christmas Eve, what they sang? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to all humankind, to all men, it says. This was God's declaration of peace, peace coming in Jesus. It's kind of like in the films, you know, the, the aliens arrive from the skies, and what's the question that gets asked of the people who make first contact? Do you come in peace? And the hope is, is that they'll answer, yes, we come in peace. We have not come to bring catastrophe and destruction upon the human race. And so the angels pronounce that the arrival of the God in, in flesh is good news. He comes in peace. He comes to save, not to destroy. He comes to bring peace. Don't you long for peace? Uh, almost more than anything, don't you long for, uh, now, actually, I know there's some parents in, your, in, in the midst here tonight, and you long for some peace and quiet. That's kind of a different thing. <laughs> but I'd say it's just part of our human condition. Uh, what is peace? Uh, peace is this sense of harmony in our inner being, a sense that everything is right. Uh, there's no off notes in our li lives. There's no conflict. There's no discord. Don't you long for peace? Well, how do we get in on this peace? Well, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Jesus is a peace bringer. And Paul said, he said, Jesus 
himself is our peace. And this is kind of important to kind of recognize because if you say you want peace, but you don't want God, if, if, if you say you want peace, but you really want to keep Jesus kind of out there somewhere, distant from you, then you won't have the peace. It, it'll be kind of a, a, a restless pursuit for you. He will be our peace by being our God. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and as the Prince rules in our lives, peace grows. Some of you are longing to experience this gift specifically this Christmas, that deep inner peace that comes from a life of, of, of being surrendered to the Prince of Peace. So back to Uncle Ernie's question for a moment. How much did you get? Christmas is, is news of great joy for all people because in Jesus, it's like, it's like God the Father cleared the shelves of heaven and said, I'm giving you everything. I can't give you anything better than this. I'm giving you the Son. This is the best gift ever, ever. These, these four names remind us that, that God the Son is not just some sentimental idea of a babe that's come. These, these four names are a frontal attack on all that keeps us from God. An, an all-out assault on everything thing that is wrong with the world. And I'd be so bold tonight to say that, that every single one of us needs a God-sized Jesus. We don't need the Reader's Digest version. We need the real Jesus. Because life is messy, and, and, and life lived on our own just seems to, to have a way of falling apart or, or, or getting messy, doesn't it? gets hard. And so we need wisdom for, for life from a wonderful counselor. And we need daily strength from a mighty God. We need the, the kind of true stillness and, and calm that comes from, from surrendering our lives to the Prince of Peace. And we need the kind of security that comes from an everlasting Father. And, and we need the compassionate forgiveness that comes from a suffering Savior. Why don't we take a moment just uh, this Christmas Eve, would you bow your heads with me? Let's just pray. Have a moment of quiet. We're in the presence right now of what is given. Jesus the Son. For unto us a child is given. Unto us <laughs> a son is born. God, it's... it's uh, it's the greatest surprise ever that your arrival among us was through a babe in a manger. And when we find out what that, uh, who that babe really is, it's a game changer for us, God. We're told that uh, the government, the, the ruling of things is on his shoulders, and that means we can... Uh, be a little more carefree. We, can, we don't have to carry the burden of our life. We can trust in you to lead. And Lord, Lord that, that he's the wonderful counselor, frees us up to be who we were really made to be. God, help us to, to discover you as our counselor, that you would speak into our lives and, and, and change us as you wish. And, and Jesus, mighty God, means you're able to do what you set out to do. 
Would you begin doing the work in our lives that we need you to do? And uh, this Christmas Eve, I pray, you might begin to change us in, in fresh ways, that we might experience your power in our lives. Everlasting Father, what a great gift to know you as Daddy, Papa. You love us. You call us by name. Help us to respond to your love and to enter into that relationship with you as Dad. And Prince of Peace, you offer us tonight the gift of peace. It's not just an idea or a feeling, it's a person. And so Jesus, we honor you tonight and we pray this Christmas we might enjoy the gift of Jesus in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. They weren't crazy, you know, though they had gotten that a lot. Some people said to them, you don't even know how long this journey's going to last. But then again, they knew. The Silk Road is still not a very safe place to travel, and you're carrying costly treasure, you know. Yes, they knew that. You might not even find him. Yes, that was a risk they were all too well aware of. But it was one that they were willing to take. They were not stupid, and they were not crazy. These were well-educated men who had spent their lives in study, charting the movement of the stars across the endless universe, only to find themselves on an endless journey across cold rock and hot sand, tired eyes staring out at a never-ending horizon. But they found him. They were in search of a king, and they found him. And he was not a king that was going to ever wear a crown or own land or be found in a palace or in halls of the great. He was a king who they found in the most humble surroundings. And when they found him, they bowed before him, and they offered him their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh.